1 Corinthians. Thank you, praise team. That was some great singing this morning. We're going to sing some more at the end. And, uh, but 1 Corinthians 11, we're going to take a one-week break from the book of Colossians, and we're going to talk about the Lord's Supper this morning. Uh, the Lord left His church with two ordinances or practices, uh, things that He wanted the church to do. One of those is, is baptism. We call it believer's baptism. When you trust in Christ, you, you're baptized by immersion uh, to be a public profession of your faith in Jesus. Uh, next week, Holly will be baptized, and, and uh, you've been baptized. The second ordinance is that of communion or the Lord's Supper. And uh, we're going to spend a few minutes this morning just thinking about the Lord's Supper, Paul's instructions about partaking of the Lord's Supper. There was a little girl named Nancy, and she asked her mother one Sunday morning why she cut the ends off the ham every time she, she cooked it. And the mom said, well, I, you know, I'm not really sure. Uh, I suppose we cut the ends off so that it would get some, some juices and spices and make it more tender. But she said, I learned that from my grandma. Won't you ask her? And so Nancy did. She called her grandmother. She says, why do you cut the ends off the ham? And she says, well, you know, I, I haven't thought about it for a long time. I, I guess your mom's right. I, I guess it's probably so that it gets those spices and gets tender and, and juices. But I learned it from your great-grandma, so won't you call her? So Nancy was getting a little tired of getting the runaround, but she said, well, I'll, I'll call my great-grandmother and ask her. And so she asked her the same question, and uh, grandma, the great-grandma thought about it for a minute, and she began to laugh, and she said, well, Nancy, I don't know about the juices and spices. I cut the ends off the ham so I could get it in a pan. I say all that just to say that sometimes we do things that we aren't even sure why we do them. And uh, Lord's Supper is one of those things. I, I want to make sure we understand why we take some time uh, to participate, to remember the sacrifice of Jesus. And so I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 11, uh, 23 through 32. I'd love for you to stand and we'll honor God's Word this morning. And I want to give a special thanks to all those who helped with the craft fair yesterday. That was awesome. It was busy and lots of people helping and cleaning up, and thank you for that. Uh, I think uh, we met our Eliza Broadus offering go. Uh, I don't like just to meet them, though. I like to smack them. So uh, if you haven't given to that yet, that goes to take the gospel throughout Kentucky. And so give to that, and uh, thank you for giving to that. Uh, I want to mention Kyle and Molly will be here this morning. They'll be flying out to Indonesia in the morning, and, and you might not see them for a few years. And so if you see them out there, just uh, give them a word of encouragement. Make sure they're on your prayer list. Uh, that's a, it's the real thing that's going to happen tomorrow, and they'll be leaving. And so uh, pray for them, would you? 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, Paul says, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread... And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. And that's why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. 
But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. And Father, we pray today that you might give us some special moments just to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. Apart from that sacrifice, uh, we're all headed to hell. But Jesus would step out of heaven and come and live a sinless life. He would go to a cross and take my sin and the sins of, of those gathered around this room and around the world, take all those sins upon himself and die in our place. Thank you for that sacrifice. And, and may we honor you this morning as we remember it. Lord, may it make a difference in our lives. Uh, we're so thankful that Jesus would die. We're thankful that no grave could hold his body, that he arose from the grave, and that even this morning he offers to save those who will turn from their sins and believe upon Jesus. And Lord, our prayer today is that some, even here in this room, would turn from their sins and be saved, become uh, a child of yours forever. Do that today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, let me just say, before we get into the specifics of the Lord's Supper, uh, the Lord's Supper reminds us of the necessity of, of unity in the body. Uh, if you look back in verse 17 and 18, uh, Paul says, uh, But in the following instructions, I don't commend you, uh, because w- when you come together, it's not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. Listen, God desires unity uh, within the body. And, uh, and Paul would say that dis- divisions were unacceptable. And, uh, you know, often there are issues of disunity. Sometimes they are displayed during business meetings. We, we got one of those tonight. I hope you'll be here. Uh, I don't detect any of those issues. Uh, uh, you all might be good at hiding them from me. Uh, but something God put on my heart several years ago. God kind of put it on my heart that the church should be uh, what I call a community of grace. We're going to talk more about that in Colossians chapter 3 in a couple weeks, but, but we're a community of grace. We, we show grace because God has shown us grace, and He has given us grace. And, uh, and so we are a body of believers who love God, and we love each other, and uh, we're just sold out on that. And so regardless of what your agenda or my agenda for Burlington Baptist might be, God desires for us to, uh, to have a unity of spirit. Uh, in his high priestly prayer in, in John 17, uh, at the end of verse 11, he says that they may be one. He's talking about the, the believers, that they may be one as you and I are one. As the Father and Son are one, he desires for the church to, to be one. And so uh, Jesus said the greatest commandment is that you love God with everything and that you love your neighbor as yourself. And so uh, I, I just uh, issue a warning before we come to the table this morning is we, we love ourselves uh, we, we should admit that. And, and one of the greatest problems is that we love ourselves so much that everything we want everything to be about us. And so as uh, the body of Christ, we have to regularly deny ourselves and, and seek the good of others. And uh, I, I remind people, there's no need. The Bible tells us clearly why we have quarrels and fights, uh, why we can't get along. Uh, James tells us. Let me read James 4. If, you, if you're in some type of quarrel and you want to know why, well, James says, James 4, 1, what causes quarrels and what causes fights? Yeah, what, what causes that? Is it not this, that your passions or your pleasures are at war within you? 
You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. We, in other words, what James says is we want what we want, and if you get in the way of me getting what I want, then we're going to fight. And, and that's so true. It happens at church. It happens at home. It happens at work. We want something. Somebody else stands in the way, and so there's a quarrel or a fight. And, uh, and so while people are fighting over petty stuff often in the church, listen, people are perishing without Christ. And so we don't have time to fight. Uh, we've got more important things to do. Uh, so we deny ourselves and we seek first the kingdom of God for His glory. And so I, I just before we even get to the past, let's be a community of grace. And, and what that means is if, if you see me not being gracious to someone, then you come and you say, Pastor, you, that wasn't very gracious. And you do that in love. And may God give me the courage to do the same for you. If you're not being gracious to someone to, to say, hey, brother, that's, that's not gracious. And, and the truth is, if you have trouble loving someone in your, in your church family, then you need to spend some time with the great physician and uh, let him do a little heart surgery on you. Uh, verse 19, let me just point out verse 19 before we get to 23. Uh, this is an interesting verse I, I noticed a few years ago. For there must be factions among you. It's kind of odd that, that Paul, would, he's talking about unity, and then he says there must be factions among you, and he says there's a purpose in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. And so uh, I, I guess amongst, uh, sometimes there's some conflict so that uh, those who are the, the real deal are manifested. And uh, usually your, your true nature comes out when there's a little bit of conflict or controversy. And it comes out whether you're going to be like Christ or you're going to, not be like Christ. And so, uh, remember that one, verse 19. Uh, but verse 23, uh, we're going to talk about the Lord's Supper this morning. And, and listen, when we talk about communion, the Lord's Supper, I mean, this is serious business. Uh, this is one of the highest forms of Christian worship. And so we'll spend a little bit extra time at the end of the service this morning to prepare our hearts to observe the Lord's Supper. But Paul, giving this to the church, he says, I received this from the Lord. I, I got these instructions from the Lord. And uh, it's interesting that uh, most scholars believe that 1 Corinthians was actually written before the Gospels. And so Paul didn't read this from Matthew uh, or Luke. He, he got it from the Lord. And uh, Jesus celebrated the Passover meal the night that he was betrayed. And if you remember, the Passover meal uh, was, a, was a meal that the, the Jews celebrated every year to remind them of their deliverance from Egypt and from slavery in Egypt. It reminded them that uh, they had to go out and, and find a lamb, a lamb without blemish, and they had to slay that lamb. They had to take the blood of that lamb and apply it to the doorpost. And if they did that, the death angel would pass over. And we know that after that, Pharaoh said, get out of here. And uh, Moses led the people of Israel out of their bondage. And uh, we know that ultimately the Passover pointed us to Jesus who would, uh, would be slain. And his blood would be shed to, to cover over our sins and to deliver us from, from bondage. So it was the night of his betrayal uh, while observing the Passover meal that Jesus instituted uh, what we call the Lord's Supper and what we'll partake of at the end of the service this morning. So as we consider Paul's instructions, let's first consider the proper perspective of the Lord's Supper. The proper perspective, verse 23, I got this from the Lord, the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you, do this in remembrance of me, or do this as a memorial for me. 
And so first thing I want us to see is that the Lord's Supper is a time of looking back. Uh, look back in remembrance. Look back as a memorial. Uh, specifically, we look back to the events of, of the cross and, and what Jesus did on the cross. And so this morning, the, the Lord's Supper has two elements. Uh, one element is a piece of bread. It represents the body of Jesus. We know it was broken and, and beaten and nailed to a cross. Uh, the, the cup, uh, the cup of juice, represents uh, the blood of Jesus. And uh, it was shed for, for us. And I, I just point out there that, uh, that Jesus, this is my body which is for you. The cross is, is personal. Uh, the blood was, was personal. The Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. Uh, uh, you go back to the Old Testament, the, the life is in the blood. And so just as the lamb had to be slain and the blood applied, uh, Jesus had to, to give his life so that we could have the forgiveness of our sins. The, the wages of sin is death. And so Jesus took our death. And so, uh, you know, we go through life and we try to avoid death. Uh, it's, a, it's our enemy. Uh, but 1 Corinthians 15.3 says that Christ died according with the Scriptures. Uh, he came with the very purpose of dying for our sins. And so as we partake of the Lord's Supper this morning, we'll look back to the cross and we'll be reminded that Jesus suffered and bled and died and uh, He did it for us. So as we look back, we, we remember how He died. Uh, we know the, the cross was gruesome. If you've seen The Passion of the Christ, uh, we have this depiction of what a scourging looks like and, and how bloody and how horrific it is. Uh, then they took him and they nailed him to the cross. And, and, and yet we remember that, that Jesus went willingly. Uh, he went there to the garden that night and he said, Father, not my will, but yours be done. If there's any other way, let this cup pass, but, but not my will, Father, but yours be done. And so uh, Jesus willingly went to the cross uh, Romans 5, 8 says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, I just always point out, it doesn't say after we cleaned ourselves up, after we quit sinning. No, while we were sinners, uh, Christ died for us. And so not only how he died, but, but most importantly, why he died. Uh, church, it was his death. Uh, it wasn't his life. It, it wasn't his teachings. All those were important, but it was the, the death of Jesus that, that provided our salvation. He, he came as our substitute. Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We turned everyone to our own ways. We're a bunch of sinners. We're like a bunch of sheep running towards sin, and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And so we're like sheep sinning, and, and God the Father takes the sins of us and puts them on his son. And... Uh, 1 Peter 2, 24, He Himself bore our sins on the tree. He, Jesus, bore our sins on the tree. And so it's in church, it's important to, to regularly look back to, to the cross and, and see Christ's sacrifice and see Christ's love. And, and on the cross we see God's justice. He doesn't blink at sin, but, but He allowed His Son to, to pay the penalty for our sins. And, and we see God's salvation at the cross. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1.18 says that the words or the message of the cross is, is foolish, is folly to those who are perishing. Uh, you try to tell the gospel with some people and they'll think, what? that's silly. God, you tell me God came and to those who are perishing it's folly, but to those who, who are being saved it's the power of God. It's the way that we're saved is, is through the cross. And so as we take some time to look back to the cross this morning, I want to ask you a question 
has there ever been a time when the cross became personal for you? Has there ever been a time when the cross became personal for you? Do you, do you have a testimony? Do you have a story of, of God's salvation in your life? Have you personally had a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ? And let me ask you this. What, what does his death mean to you? But some people say, well, that means i got to go to heaven. Well, praise the Lord. That's awesome. Uh, but but it, more than that, I mean, I, I just think about the cross. I think about the fact that the Creator. I mean, he, Colossians tells us He was before all things, and by Him all things. The, the Creator of the world, He stepped out of heaven and He came to earth. He lived a sinless life, and then He would go and He would allow men to abuse Him and mock Him and nail Him to a cross. Listen, He would do all that for me for to save a wretch like me. That that's the personal nature of the gospel of the cross, is that, that God would do that for me. And He loves me, and He would offer to save me and, and, and invite me into His presence. And, and now, uh, through the righteousness of Christ, I, listen, I can go and, and I can go into the very presence of God. And, and listen, he, He's wiped His calendar clear for me. You ever think about that? That's how personal Jesus is, is that he not only loves us and saves us, but he invites us to come anytime into his prayer. That's so awesome. And so has the cross become personal to you? Not only is the cross, the Lord's Supper, a time for looking back, but secondly, it's a time for looking forward. Notice verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Anybody think the Lord's coming back? Amen. He's coming back. I mean, that's the blessed hope of the church. The, the hope of the church is that one day the, the bridegroom is going to come back for the bride. And he's going to come back and get us. And, and so not only did Christ die and was he buried and he rose from the grave and he ascended back to heaven, but the scriptures tell us that one of these days he's coming back. And I don't know about you, but I say come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come and get us. And, and listen, we're not all that we should be, but, but the Bible says in 1 John 3, 2, that one day we'll be like him because we will see him as he is. And so, church, he's coming back. And so communion is not only a time where we remember what Jesus has done, but we are reminded that he's coming back. John 14, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. Jesus said, if it weren't so, I would have told you. And he says, I go to prepare a place for you. That place is heaven. And he says, if I go away, I'm going to come back. And I'm going to receive you to myself that where I am there you will be also. And so listen, Jesus is coming back. The Lord's Supper reminds us that he's coming back. And, and we look forward with expectation that Jesus is coming back. And, and yet we realize that some people aren't ready for his return. And so we give them the gospel. He's long-suffering towards us, not willing that any would perish. He's, he's patient but he's coming back one day, and some people aren't going to be ready for that. And so, uh, Lord's Supper is a time for looking back. It's a time for looking forward, and then it's a time for looking outward. Uh, that word proclaimed there in verse 26, cat angelo, it means to announce or to preach or to proclaim. When we partake of the Lord's Supper, we are proclaiming to the world that we are not ashamed of our Lord Jesus. We're not ashamed of the cross. We're not ashamed of His blood. We're not ashamed of Him, but rather we belong to Him. He bought us. We love Him. We want to obey Him, and we want to proclaim His salvation. You ever think about the relationship between baptism and the Lord's Supper? They're both ordinances, but baptism really is, is really a symbol of the beginning of the Christian faith. 
It's where we kind of get in. We, we profess Christ. We confess our sins. We call upon Jesus. And then we're baptized as a public profession of that. And that, that kind of, that's our first act of obedience is baptism. But the Lord's Supper is, is kind of a, a, a continuation. It's a symbol of continuing in Christ in the Christian life. And so as we gather this morning as a body of believers and partake of the Lord's Supper, we proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. And so we, we're reminded of what He did for us. We remember that. And then we go out those doors and we make disciples of all nations. We remember and then we re- proclaim the gospel. And so, uh, and, and then I, I just thought maybe the Lord's Supper is a time we all look around uh, as a family and say, well, who's not here? Who's not amongst us anymore? And, and, and so maybe they're on vacation, uh, but maybe they're not on vacation. Maybe they've not been here for a while. Maybe you need to call them or visit them or go see them. Or I think the Lord's Supper is a good time to, to look around and say, who's not here in the family that, that used to be or shouldn't be or somebody that I need to, to contact and so not only does Paul provide the proper perspective for the Lord's Supper, but, but then he gives us the precise preparation for the Lord's Supper. And I already said this is serious business, and Paul offers some serious warnings here, and, and uh, some of these warnings might scare you, and, and some of them maybe they should. Uh, verse 27, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup in an, of, of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. And so we say, what, what does that mean? How can we partake of this in an unworthy manner? What does that mean? And I believe there are lots of ways that we can partake of this in an unworthy manner. We, uh, some people can kind of come flippantly, uh, ritualistically. You might say, well, it's the fifth Sunday, and so we've we got to do the Lord's Supper. You might be casual. You might not think about what this means. Uh, the Lord's Supper, God calls us to... To come with our hearts and our minds. With our hearts, we confess our sins. And with our minds, we remember the Lord's sacrifice for us. Sometimes people come to the Lord's table with bitterness in their heart, hatred towards others. You remember, Jesus said, if you bring your gift to the altar and you remember someone has something against you, leave it. Well, when we take it, this, this is an act of worship. And so if you got some bitterness or some wrong relationship, uh, I guess Jesus would say, put that cup down and go take care of business and then come and worship me. And so be reconciled. Uh, we, 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 we come in an unworthy manner when we have sin that we haven't confessed and repented of. Uh, you say, what do you mean sin? Listen, it's sin. Our sin put Jesus on the cross. And so if we know of sin, we confess that sin. I believe it's a dishonor to God for us to partake of the Lord's Supper with unconfessed sin in our lives. And it says here that you'd be guilty of, of uh, concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. If, if, if sin is the murder weapon, don't you think we ought to get rid of it before we come to the table? Verse 28, let a person so examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and, and drink of the cup. Uh, I mean, this gives us an opportunity this morning to do some self-examination. And we, we consider our relationship with the Lord. How, how's that going? Our relationship with one another? Our relationship with sin? Is anybody getting a little too cozy with sin? Maybe we consider that relationship. and We examine our motives and our attitudes, our actions. 
Uh, one of the things I like about Lord's Supper is it gives the church a kind of a special opportunity to, uh, to, to purify itself, to evaluate our sins, to confess those sins. And, and so let me ask you this morning, is there anything in your life, any decisions or relationships that you know are not pleasing to God? Listen, I want to encourage you to repent of those and, and change course. I always like to point out in verse 28 that it says, let a person examine himself. That means to take a look at yourself, not your neighbor. It sounds like the Corinthians were pretty good at, at uh, evaluating uh, everybody else and neglecting personal exams. You know, as, as preachers, we get to hear a lot of funny stories. Well, not funny. They're not funny. But people say, now keep preaching it, preacher. They need to hear it. No, I need to hear it. And you need to hear it. And if you make that statement to me, you really need to hear it. We, we need to hear the Word of God. We need to evaluate ourselves. And, uh, you know, sometimes people, I know the longer I'm here, people like to come and tell the preacher what somebody else is doing. And uh, listen, the Bible says if your brother offends you, go tell the preacher. No. No. Not even modern translations say that. No. <laughs> Matthew 17, if someone offends you, go to them. Uh, you know, if you come to tell me on somebody, I'm going to ask you, have you gone to them? And uh, if you've gone to them and there's still issues, then that's one thing. But, but listen, we don't need any religious czars watching everybody. We need to examine ourselves. Listen, I, I, I'm pretty busy getting the logs out of my eyes. Uh, Lord willing, I can help you with some specs, but i got to get the logs out first. And, and uh, I suspect some of you others have some, some, some two-by-fours in yours. Uh, so the, what we find in 1 Corinthians 11 is just the church there, they were kind of taking the Lord's Supper lightly, and, and uh, Paul rebukes them in that. Uh, he says in verse 30, some of you, uh, many of you are weak and ill, and some of you have died. And we, we don't like to think about God, but I want God to kill. Listen, be careful how you handle the holy things of God. Verse 31 says we should... Uh, if we judged ourselves or we discerned our sin, if we confessed our sins, that's what he's talking about there. If we judged ourselves, truly we would not be judged. So the reason we wouldn't be judged is because God would forgive us. If we examine our hearts and we confess our sins, then he offers forgiveness. And we avoid the, the judgment or the chastening of God. I, 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 I'd rather examine my heart and confess my sins than, than endure the, the chastisement of the Lord. Uh, he'll do it for my good, but I just as soon avoid it. And so, uh, can I just remind us this morning that if we confess our sins and our wrong attitudes and our motives, that, that God's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins to Him, He will forgive us. Amen? Ain't that good? Verse 32, But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. That, that's a powerful verse. It reminds us that, that God disciplines. Even to the the point of sending death to keep us from being condemned with the world. And I'm not going to speculate on God's divine interventions in our lives, uh, but I just want you to know it's important that we examine ourselves. And uh, remember verse 29, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself. Some translation says eats and drinks damnation upon himself. And so this morning, as if we participate in, an, in a worthy manner, we got to examine our, our hearts, 
We have to judge our sins and confess them to the Lord. And, and so we're going to take just a, in just a few moments uh, some time for uh, examination and confession and commitment. And uh, I just want you to get serious with God this morning. Uh, Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. Uh, it's a special time of remembrance of all that he's done. Uh, he gives us these warnings. Uh, judge yourself or, or be judged. And so the musicians are going to come this morning and and I want to invite you to stand, and uh, we're just going to take some extra time. We, uh, we want to examine our hearts this morning. If you bow for just a few moments and uh, just ask the Lord to, to search your heart. The Lord's Supper reminds us of the sacrifice that Jesus made. It reminds us that He shed His blood so that we could have life, and... Uh, the only way that we can be worthy is because Jesus has made us worthy by, by taking our sins upon Him and by giving us His righteousness. Now, that comes by grace through faith in Jesus. And so, uh, have you come to Jesus in faith, trusting Him for the forgiveness of your sins? I asked you earlier, has the cross become personal? If it's never been personal to you, I want to invite you this morning to to come and, and find forgiveness of sin. and I've been praying this week that the Holy Spirit would just fill this place, would save the lost, and uh, that we would see souls brought into the kingdom this morning. And if you're here this morning and you know that you're saved, and I just want to invite you to examine your heart. Ask the Lord what's there that's not pleasing. Uh, you're welcome to come down and pray. we got some deacons down here. They pray with you. Uh, you're welcome to stay at your seat or Get down on your knees. Uh, any, any sin that you're holding on to this morning, something you know is not pleasing to God, will you just confess that this morning and, and turn from it? He'll help you. He'll walk with you. As a church, are there any barriers, any, any bitterness this morning, any, anybody you need to go to this morning and, and uh, offer an apology or seek some reconciliation? Some people think that would be weakness. It's, it's not weakness. It's, it's grace. It's maturity. Listen, don't do it for me. Do it in remembrance of Jesus who gave his life for you. Let's pray. Father, we're always needful of some time to remember the cross, to remember our sin remember that you would step out of heaven to come and rescue us. Lord, you would do that for me is overwhelming. So this morning I want to examine my heart and as a church we want to examine our hearts this morning. We want to confess every known sin. Maybe we've confessed them before but we've done it again. Forgive us, Lord. Give us victory. We come this morning looking for forgiveness and cleansing. And, and we want to come to this time with clean hands and pure hearts. We don't want to get any, we don't want anything to get in our way of remembering Jesus' sacrifice. We look forward to his return for his church. Lord, I don't know what decisions need to be made this morning. Somebody might need to be saved. I, I pray that they would respond to the cross this morning. 
Somebody might need to come and confess their sins. Lord, you know exactly what needs to take place in the next few minutes. Give courage. Lord, may your spirit show us some things. May we confess them. May we find freedom and forgiveness this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You prepare your hearts and we'll sing to the Lord this morning.